Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's version of Raising Expectations. We're sure glad you tuned in, and we hope you'll follow us all through the week, like many of you let me know that you do. Uh, It's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you tonight. We've got a great show, some great interaction will take place, and as always, it's our prayer and our goal that one will lead you to know the Lord and to put your faith in God, and secondly, to also have your expectations raised each day. God's got great plans for you. Now the fun part is just waiting to see what he's going to do next. Hey, every time when we start the program, you know we do a very quick intro of everybody. We want to make sure that you know everyone. We have a lot of new people. I Somewhere around 290 new people venture in today to check off and put hearts and Thumbs up. I want to thank you so much for that. Everybody here, these are the greatest group of people you're ever going to meet. You know a lot of them already, and you'll be able to follow them by going to our site. I'll tell you that in just a second. But first of all, we have for many years um, Dr. Paul Hall, who is a retired <laughs> pastor and a, a counselor, a teacher, and uh, but he's he's he actually still a theologian because we didn't retire because all week long and every week throughout the day, he is what? Theologging. Theologging. That is a new word. Look that up because you will impress people. They will say, whoa, I've never met one of those before. When you meet Paul, you'll know why we say that about him. He's one of those first impressions. Wow, where's he been? He's going to enjoy getting to know Paul. Also, we have with us from the East Coast, uh, uh, I almost want to say Tank all the time, a nickname. I guess I can say that, their family. But uh, Stephanie and and Tank, or Craig, go ahead, Craig, what was that? (laughs) Is that okay? That's fine. Okay. Don't call me late. Just don't call you late. (laughs) Yeah, we call you Tank. Amen. Tank is one of those men that you will enjoy knowing as you get to know him here. And uh, he and his wife work a wonderful ministry together, as well as what he does. She is a health and wellness coach, and that's Stephanie, as you well know. And uh, she has ways to help you understand more about yourself through your relationship with Christ and then what you can eat and health-wise, what's good for you to monitor what you can become. Uh, I always like that thing in the Bible we read where Christ always met us where we are so that he could take us where he could lead us. And that's kind of what she does, helping you to get there. So, and also Tank helps her with this also. He is a surgeon. He understands uh He's actually a trauma surgeon, and that's like we often say every week. Uh, if anything ever happens to us, he's the guy that's so blessed our lives when he said, uh, you know, Joe, every every time I get called into certain things in surgery, I, 
look at my hands and I realize I have these people's lives in my hands. And, and uh, we pray for him that way because he's got the heart that matches the hands that hears from the Lord and knows what to do. He's the guy we, we love and appreciate also. Good job keeping him in shape there, Stephanie. Keep him going. Take good care of him. He's got the spirit. That's the spirit. Okay. And then moving back, we're so excited because from Central California, Central California. Ah, sorry, Ron. Central United States, the state of Texas, the great state of Texas. Just a minute. We'll sing, we'll sing a Texas national anthem for you. But anyway, from Texas, all the way from McKinney. That's right. Ron, Ron is a retired. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, he has done so many things in his life. That's why he has so much wisdom. And the reason the wisdom comes out is because he ties it to his heart and he walks with the Lord Jesus Christ. Ron's been a pastor. He's a Marine. He's He's done, you name it, he's been there, and uh, we appreciate him. And uh, Ron, it's so great to have you as a part of our family and our team. Love and appreciate you, brother. And uh, keep Texas going the right direction. We're rooting. All right. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Keep going. So, Al, tonight, so that's kind of our team. And uh, you won't meet a finer group of people anywhere in the world. We, uh, I just am so blessed. Somebody asked me once, where did you find these people? And I said, well, other than Paul, who God brought in my life, about 200 years ago. No, it wasn't that long, was it? Yeah. Close. 50. How many, Paul? Not about 200. Oh, 50, uh, 55, 55 years ago. 55. 55. Pretty close, yeah. Something wow. Like yeah. Now, we went through college together, and like Paul so loving, he says, the school is still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no matter what, it's still there. So uh, these people bless my life. When they ask me that question, I say, God brought them into my life so that I could be blessed. And uh, they're a blessing to me, so I get to share and hear them with you. We're just all a blessing together because we love the Lord. Now, we got special guests today. We do that every week, but uh, these people are really special to me because uh, one of them happens to be my sister, and the other one happens to be my brother-in-law. We'll let you pick which one there. You'll be able to tell. But in, in any event, moving right along. I've thrown out his they tonight. That's right. All the way from near Woodlands, Texas, which really is where BBS Worldwide Radio broadcast and TV broadcast is now located. Uh, which is near Houston, and uh, they live there. And uh, Cliff is a retired pastor also. And Jeannie was a great pastor's wife and leader. She worked in the medical field. Uh, Jeannie and, and Cliff now do counseling. They do tremendous marriage counseling. They've helped people uh, all over the nation. They've been on television presenting their program to help people to get a look at who they are. So we're going to have a great time tonight. So I want you to welcome... Cliff Poe and Jeannie Beth Poe, all the way from Texas, and we want to welcome you to our program tonight. We're so glad you're here. Thank you, thank you. You have an applause uh, soundtrack. <laughs> Can you work on that, Steph? Yes, I'm working that one. <laughs> well, you know, you got me thinking, Joe. Um, I met you and Paul in the summer of 1971. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 50 years ago. That's hard to believe. Yeah, it's hard to believe. And yeah. both of you have been so instrumental in my life, in my ministry. I just, uh, it's a real privilege to be here with you and with these other folks tonight. We're just thrilled to have you. And uh, that's a crackerjack sister on the right, on my screen, and on your left, a wonderful wife. And Jeannie Beth, we love you. You've done so much to help people. Whenever I hear people share about Cliff and about you together, it's always, we just love this couple because they're so great. In fact, 
they they reach out and they touch our lives. And that reminds me a lot, you guys. It remind me of the new version of you. And that's a Tank and Stephanie together and what they do in helping people. So I'm, I'm going to kick the ball out there. Now, I'm going to come back for a commercial later. I'm so good at commercials. But anyway, we're going to come back. It's going to be a good commercial tonight. So uh, we'll come back later. Cliff, welcome to the program. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And then everybody just jump in. This is a family roundtable. And I have my coffee. <laughs> I don't leave out the 44 marriage thing. I, I still got to. <laughs> there you go. Well, amazing. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Someday we'll tell you the story about how I told Joe I was in love with his sister, but that's a whole different deal. Um, <laughs> that's a great story. Tony's Pizza Cave, by the way. Anyway, um, no, you know about it. You know enough about us. Uh, I want to just kind of jump into it. You had announced our topic was going to be something that would help with patience, wisdom, and faith, I believe, were the things. So um, in thinking about that quite a bit, I, I started thinking about how all of that basically is a choice. You know, uh, nobody makes you do anything, uh, but they can push your hot buttons. And if you don't have understanding of your hot buttons and maybe your your spouse's, um, then you're not going to be very patient. You're not going to be very understanding. And uh, you could end up in some real difficult conversations and even arguments. So all of that to say, I believe all of us have hot buttons. And learning to manage those and not intentionally push them is a great uh, skill. Great relationship skill. I know what my hot buttons are. So what I want to do is I want to read a list of hot buttons. And I want you to pick one um, particularly that you think is one of your hot buttons. So you may want to jot it down or you could, I'm sure you could remember it. So sorry. We have to say it out loud. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one of Ron's hot buttons right there. Not. I don't. I'm not saying that. I got it. <laughs> it sounds like it's the same one I've got. Um, okay. Here we go. Rejection, judgment, disconnection, loneliness, failure, powerlessness, being misunderstood, being scared, invalidated. Feeling defective, feelings of inferiority, worthlessness, unhappiness, being devalued, humiliated, abandoned, feeling unimportant, ignored, neglected, feeling condemned, unwanted, in danger, disliked, mistrusted, Feeling despair or feeling control. You got yours? Okay, I want to tell you about mine. So one of my hot buttons is feeling stupid. My my two big ones are feeling stupid and being controlled. Both of those. When I was in when I was five years old, we lived out in the country. I grew up on a family farm. We lived six miles out of town, and at five years of age, you could attend kindergarten in town. However, there wasn't a bus that ran in the country, so my parents would have to take me to kindergarten. They had a family meeting, I guess, and discussed it and decided that they could not afford the gas to take me into town and 
and uh, then come back home and then go pick me up and then come back home. It was going to be $5 a week. That'll tell you something about how long ago that was. So anyway, I started first grade with all the town kids and they had all been to kindergarten Mm -hmm. and they could read. I couldn't read. So I felt I didn't know how to say it, but I feel like the country bumpkin, right? I didn't know how to read. Now, my mom caught me up real quickly and all of that, but it really did a number on me to think about being stupid and being humiliated, being different. Um, that, that just carried on with me through high school um, and even into graduate school. I wouldn't ask questions. I would hope that someone else would ask the question because I didn't want to look stupid. How that translated for Jeannie and I is if you know Jeannie, you know that she's very vivacious and you know that she says what comes to her mind and you know that I'm just the opposite. And so every time that we would get in the car to go see my parents, we would get into a fight. And I realized that it was because I was so afraid she wasn't going to act correctly or say the correct things and, have, and get the approval of my parents that we were going to, I was going to look stupid and she was going to look stupid, but I was going to look stupid too. And so that was a big deal. That was one of my hot buttons. And, and, and to this day, I still have to fight those feelings. If I put on the spot where I'm going to feel like I might look stupid, um, I can just feel the blood starting. So anyway, that's me. Jeannie, you want to tell them one of yours? Sure. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles. So I grew up in a different family who would sit and talk over each other all the time. And Joe knows what I'm talking about. We just, we just chatter on and try to connect with one another that way, I guess. But the one thing is that um, dad was always the one that set the rules into place and being a Scotsman, he was very stubborn. Um, I loved him dearly. He called me princess. That was my pet name. But I could get into what I felt was a good logical, communicative um, discussion with him. And yet he would still tell me that as long as I lived under his roof, then I would do exactly what he said, period. Now, Joe, this is after you've gone on. So anyway, anytime that I would try, I tried to stay out late, like 1130 for my senior prom, dad wanted me home at the 11 o'clock hour because his rules, his house, that sort of thing. So the button that got got placed in me and that when it gets punched, I'll come out like a tiger is basically your opinion doesn't matter. Uh, whether I respect, respect you or maybe that comes into respect partially, but I don't, uh, when people don't understand what I'm talking about, or I feel like my opinion doesn't matter at all or have value to it. So tell them what I did after we got married. Yeah. Um, how many times, which time uh, we have, we got enough time. Um, <laughs> the car. Tell them no, about the one car. day um, we needed a vehicle and Cliff went out and bought one and brought it back. And I'll let you finish the story sweet. <laughs> well, you know, I grew up in the country on a farm. The, the, the man went and bought the car, brought it home to the little wife. All right. Yes. So I went out and bought a car. <laughs> Brought it home to the little wife. She had no idea. She didn't know what I was going to buy, how much I was going to spend, what color it was going to be. Nothing. So I punched that button really hard. Her opinion didn't matter. And yes, I caught the brunt of it. 
<laughs> Quite some time. Yeah. It was a fine looking firebird, royal blue with white leather interior. It was not. Oh. That didn't you matter. All he had to do was bring me in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, those silly things we talk about hot buttons and we giggle and we laugh because all of us can tag that back to an experience in our lives. And a lot of times we'll hear people saying, well, I don't have any hot buttons. And I'm thinking, you are living in denial. Don't even know you're lying to yourself Um, (laughs) because we all have had those buttons placed. And sometimes when we don't, like Cliff said, know how to manage them, they can really get in the big middle of your relationship and blare at both of you. So I'm going to let Cliff take it from here because I can barely hear all of you. Um, and I, this is one of my favorite things to discuss because once we understand that in our relationships, and this can go boss, this can go uh, wife or husband, this can go to children, this can go anywhere. Once we understand individuals, we're a lot more kind in our conversations. And I think that's one thing that our, we need to teach our children, especially uh, I see so many kids that are unkind because they're pushing all kinds of buttons and they know it. Right. Go ahead, Poe. You're yeah. up. Yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> would anybody else like to share what your hot button is? When I read through the list, was there one that stood out to you that kind of resonated with you and that you have some experience with? Right. They all started laughing. So they've all got something. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm trying to think of when we have disagreements. Like, I, I mean, half the list, resonates with me so I'm not sure that there's one thing necessarily but I really I do not like to be controlled at all and I know it's from my childhood um and so if I feel like I'm being told what to do which really you aren't that type of a person but I will I it doesn't really matter what the subject is I'm not interested (laughs) (laughs) Jeannie, your dad must be a Scotland Highlander. Joe would know. Is he Highland Scott? Is he Highland Scott? Your family? My dad, uh, actually, my boyfriend, the McKinnon, was from the Isle of Scott. But I don't, my dad migrated across into Nova Scotia and down down into the United States from there. Hey, you just pushed the hot button. I probably did. And you're what? You're what? We never saw him in a skirt, so I don't think he's that too Scottish. All of Ireland, all of the Irish, and I'm part Irish. And there's, and it's just the Scotland Highlanders because they were shepherds, so they're ready to battle. And right. the, the Lowlanders were farmers, so they were communal. And um, but it takes like a thousand years for that. Irish Scottish pride to go away, and um, <laughs> you got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. So, so that mine, mine's failure. So yeah. interesting because when you interview Olympic gold medalists, they're not afraid of not winning the gold; they're afraid of losing the gold. Right different perspective so they are afraid of being a failure and losing to someone else and that's the way i am i I don't like to fail i don't like to not be able to do something um yeah that's Mm -hmm. that's my button yeah yeah Yeah. or if you call him a liar yeah that's (laughs) don't worry i didn't do it it wasn't me 
<laughs> if you call me a smoker because I was an athlete, a liar, or you offend a family and friend, I'm going to fight. <laughs> and he's six seven. It's really good to have him on your team. <laughs> Talking about this, I thought I, I had a interaction. I work with a lot of health coaches and clients, and I thought, I wonder what this person's trigger is because I don't know. But we had a very unpleasant situation, and I think it would be helpful for me if I understood because then maybe that situation would make more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who else? It's yeah. In, it, My, oh, sorry. Well, mine has been control or ignored <laughs> also. <laughs> yeah. Probably more ignored than, than anything. Uh, yeah. And uh, like, like you guys, same thing, childhood issues. Uh, I was a little bitty kid, real little guy, kind of skinny, quiet. And, you know, people always, always just sort of ignored me or just discounted me altogether. So uh, part of part of my reason for fighting and making sure nobody ignored me. <laughs> and I, I was a little guy who's always going to get the best of the big guy. Uh, <laughs> Take him out of the knees. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's part of that, that was probably the biggest. And I think part of that came out of, uh, we, we were seven kids in a family. Um, I was the second of the, of the seven and again, poor family, uh, Southern thing. My dad, uh, my dad was a, uh, only child. Uh, well, they called him a bastard child, uh, but never learned to be a father. He, he worked like a dog, but never did anything, uh, to show attention. I was in sports. My entire school years, I mean, growing up as a kid, never attended a single sporting event, never a Boy Scout event, never anything at all. Uh, so it's one of the things you you just felt ignored. And so by the time I became an adult in the home, I hated him. I was the most useless guy in the world. But it was just, I mean, it's one of the things that became one of my triggers. You know, don't ignore me. <laughs> I was involved in martial arts. I became very, very good at it because, and I always, always loved being the underdog where guys are sort of blew me off or ignored me and I make them pay <laughs> and, and make sure I embarrass them. <laughs> uh, so still saying the marriage this day when my wife it ignores me. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh this, sorry. It's kind of fun learning about people and finding out what your hot buttons are. Uh, oh, my hot button is not getting to push people's hot buttons. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, I, I thinking about that. Thanks for bringing that up, Cliff, because I, and Jeannie, because that's a that's a fascinating thing. I I think trying to understand ourselves, if that's important, is a lifelong process. You know, we're in constantly, constantly. You know, and and I think uh, I don't remember who said the unexamined life is not worth living, you know, but but to examine our lives. And I think a hot button for me is that uh, I grew up an only child. Uh, My dad had been raised in an orphanage. My mom was told that she was a mistake. Uh, And so I had kind of two parents that were emotionally uh, impacted uh, and it, I'm, I kind of stand back amazed that two people who weren't very well equipped to deal with their own brokenness uh, were able to, uh, I always felt loved uh, 
unconditionally. I, I just did, and and that kind of thing. Right. Um, I I, however, in that particular environment, um, learned to be accommodating. Is that a good word? Um, other people's needs seem to always be more important than mine. Uh, I think I think one of my hot buttons, one of them is um, the assumption that uh, just leave it undone. It's OK. Paul will do it. And, uh, you know, I wind up doing it not because they expected me to, but because it needed to be done. And, uh, you know, not looking for praise or admiration or anything like that. I, you know, I, that's not a big motivator to me. But feeling used. Um, another hot button is people assuming that they know what I think and what my positions are without asking me, you know, they just make that assumption and, uh, and, and trying to have a platform to explain why you think what you think and then being shut down. Uh, that, that's yeah. a real tough issue. Yeah. Uh, Very yeah. similar to Jane. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. I suspect, Paul, as a pastor, that second one, you probably got quite a bit where people were putting words in your mouth or oh, yeah. assuming you had a position, sure. right? Yeah. Sure. Or they yeah. see your assume you think certain things. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know if you all have experienced this or not, but it's almost like when you say what you think, they're stunned. You know, how, how, how could you think that? Oh. Uh, you know, how could you have that position? And I'm going, well, it's really pretty easy if you're in my head. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, you know, so uh, looking through those kind of things. How, however, I think um, I, I really I had the pleasure and the privilege. Uh, Cliff and Jeannie uh, served with me in a church in Hay- Hayward, California, for a period of time. And uh, that that was a few years ago. Uh, but I. I just I want to affirm Cliff and Jeannie how incredibly proud I am of you and the the growth that that I have seen and because there was a long period of time when I didn't see you or really talk to you but to be able to see that now and to see what God has done through your faithfulness and to your credit your stubbornness you know to want to engage it because it's easy to walk away it's it's a whole lot it's harder to engage it. But uh, I'm just really proud of you. I'm proud of I'm proud of what what you've become in in the Lord and how he's used you in some remarkable ways, you know. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. And speaking of that, uh, for those uh, who don't know what you guys do, uh, give a brief synopsis of what you what you do. Yeah. Jeannie and I. Yes. Yeah, nine one ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're kind of the nine one one for relationships. Um, if you're in trouble, that's kind of our specialty. We we love working with couples in crisis, being that calm presence because we've been there, we've been in crisis, we've almost lost it, and uh, painfully put it back together. So uh, we love to do that through our seminars that we lead, and also through one-on-one coaching with couples. So that's what we do. Um, it feels like we've never retired, but, and again, I just want to say thank you to Paul for his love and support and encouragement and example. I mean, this guy really, well, he was, he was, uh, the best mentor I had it and that I could have had as first as, as a high school kid and then working on staff with him as my pastor. So yeah, we love you too, Paul. Thank you. Amen.
Uh, so Stephanie used the word triggered, right? So when you, so the idea is when you have a hot button is to recognize that you're being triggered. And that's the first thing you say is I'm being triggered and I feel neglected. I'm being triggered and I feel stupid or I feel triggered and I feel misunderstood. So you identify it because you do have a choice. You don't have to react to people. You can choose your response. The first thing is to recognize you're triggered. The second thing is to tell yourself the truth. Because most of the time, those those are based in lies, those Absolutely. triggers. So I am not stupid. Truth is, I'm a pretty intelligent guy. I've made it this far and done pretty well. So I'm not stupid. So I need to tell myself, do a little self-talk, you know, to get myself back in line. Um, so think of the opposite of what y'all said. Y'all said uh, controlled, a failure, ignored. Um, Paul was feeling used and, and misunderstood. You're thinking about those things. Um, think about what the opposite would be that you would tell yourself. And that kind of, I think maybe was to your question a while ago, Stephanie, I thought I heard a question about a situation with a coworker or with a coach with someone else that you work with. If she could understand what their triggers were. Yeah. That might help in the relationship. If you knew their trigger then the, if you could figure that out, then what I would do would be try to affirm the opposite of that trigger. Like if, if they're feeling so insecure or if they feel ugly or whatever it might be, if you could affirm that truth about them, uh, I think that would help. I don't know if that makes sense. but Yeah, no, that definitely does. Yeah. Sorry? Okay, Pastor Joe, we did not hear from you, sir. <laughs> well, I'm always talking. I'm getting talk all the time. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Come on, uh, DJ. Uh, well, you know, I th- actually, Tank got the first one. I think I've always had a fear of failure, being the first kid. And uh, we're two great little sisters, always having fun with them, messing around and everything. And whatever I tried to do, I always... I had a fear of failure, and I think that tied into one that came on later in ministry, Cliff, and that was the, um, I think you said powerless. Was that the one you said? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was powerless because, you know, to overcharge that <laughs> word failure, I guess it was a Scottish background, the English in there, just you put everything you've got. You do 150% of everything you've got into it, and you pray and you pour into it, and uh, you'll get where God wants you to, to be and to do. But then you would find that you may have been able to do that, but then you felt powerless. Paul and I have talked about this. When you get into church situations where, whether you are a younger pastor, I've served in every area of the church is, probably like Paul from the kids, high school, collegiate, single adults, all the way through to the church pastor. Uh, there's always somebody that's going to tell you, what they think, and there's always somebody who's not going to follow and find that their call from God is to be a diversion or a problem for you. There's always somebody. It's a divine call, so they think. And that's where that feeling of powerlessness comes in sometimes. I mean, you just like- call, Joseph, you just call him an amazing grace. There, but for the grace of God would go I. Exactly. I mean, you could get in a spot where you feel like if I was tank and I say scalpel, and they say, no, 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 that needs a screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> are you kidding me, screwdriver? You don't really know what you're saying. That's what you're thinking. But they, they're saying, no, screw, and they're telling everybody, we need a good screwdriver here. What you need is a scalpel because it's surgery. It's delicate. It's somebody's heart they're feeling. So anyway, but those are all things like Paul Well said also. Ron, you've said this a lot of times. It, it takes time, huh, Cliff? You work through. It's an ongoing process. The older I get, the more things that seem to be so critically important become less vital. Mm-hmm. And they become easier to deal with. <laughs> like Jeannie yeah. said in your mind, you can laugh at them, except for the grace of God, man. I don't want to be like that. So, uh, and then, and I'm done, but I can go back and name you people, and I know you guys can too, that I thought they were sent there by the devil himself to give me a bad time in the church. But you know what? They became my best friends. Uh, I think one of the saddest funerals I ever did was when a guy named George got hit by a car and he he used to go to the pulpit and I would, you know, this guy would send in a slip every time. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And you got 800 people out there and they're sending back this stuff to you. So finally I brought the trash can and put it in the pulpit. I couldn't see it. So I said, I want you to know before I start the sermon today, I've had this great inspiration from God. And I gave some verse totally out of context, Ron, but it has something to do with it. And I said, I want you to know that when you send stuff to me and you put your name on it, it's wonderful. But God's given me a file for those things that get sent in with no name attached. And you just look at me. And I said, it goes right here, file 13. And I pulled up the trash can and I put it in right in the pulpit. Everybody started to laugh. And I said, that's my most unfavorite file. George filled it, you know, but it turned out finally we got a link together on Jesus Christ and the 49ers. And once that came together, he he couldn't do enough. I said, George, we can't run this church without you. You've been here a long time. So I said, God told me to stay. So doggone, would you help me out? And, you know, right, Paul is one of those guys that becomes somebody you love. So at that point, only God can do that. So, yeah, that was a hot point. I didn't feel powerless. And I stood in awe of who God was and what he could do in the life of somebody. And through the years, so it's become more and more. I'm mm. done. But yeah. But getting back to the a good point and to your point, Cliff, uh, Joe, is when um, Cliff was talking about, <clears throat> I believe that hot buttons have been placed by human beings and evolved within us ourselves. Yeah. I believe God is above the high the hot button itself. I believe that God gives us that power to do intristic thinking and saying, who do you see me as? Am I, does my opinion matter? I'll just own this one. Does my opinion matter? Yes, it does matter. Just like everybody else's. The point is, how do I rein in that anger when that button's being pushed? I need to learn to be collective, to listen, to try to understand them. And by managing that, I take that button that's about this big and I make it this big. And then I place it where it's hard for those who will automatically push that button have no way of knowing where it is and the Uh, point being this we have that much more imperial power if you want to say it by what god has instilled in us and when we reach for that and you just get silent for a moment he floods you with what this is what you are this is who you are you're not that and it's amazing how you can shrink down that negatively because that's the only way the enemy comes against us and he will drive that he'll drive that uh, separation between you and your, and your and your wife or husband. He'll drive that between you and your coworkers and what have you. And it's almost like saying, give me your eyes so that I can see them so that I can understand that. And if this means I have to push back for a while, because in this season, 
they're not a safe individual for me to interact with at that point. Help me to do that delicately and house and you win on this whole front. There's been many times when I have found that as well, um, trying to push through that glass ceiling up into an area that I know I can work and work beautifully in a, in a major hospital that I was a part of. And yet it was two or three years before God gave an opening to bring me up into the presidential office at that point. I saying all that it came out of nowhere and I was still working on who I am. And it was, it was as if you said, now's the time your opinion does matter. I'm going to give you a platform, go for it. Um, and I was there until I uh, resigned that position and I dearly loved it. But I think in my own experience, it's stepping back for a moment and saying, say the negative if you have to about, is that really true? No. What does God see me as? It is mm-hmm. said, it's completely the opposite mm-hmm. because we're never plan B or C or D or E or F. We're always plan A with him. And when we latch into that power, I think we begin now, and this is just the gospel according to Jean Beth, um, we begin to see ourselves as he sees us, and that makes us extremely powerful to do his work and do good works and touch an individuals in a healing, in a healing moment as well. So um, yes, that's my the, two cents worth. I think that's, that's great. Amazing. And the words of Peter Marshall, I used to always think along the line, this doesn't hurt as much as it did for Jesus to hang on the cross for me. So because he did, I'm what you said, or we're what you said. It's it's easier when we get older, though, isn't it, guys? Do you think so? It's easier, Cliff. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know yet. <laughs> no. Hank wanted to say something while I got yeah. to oh, I was just thinking that you guys are so dead on because I think two people who love each other I've been around each other for a long time, and they have a long history, hopefully. But they also probably, like what you said, don't even realize there's a button, but just know this thing will make them trigger. And they'll go for it when they're in the heat of battle or feeling back to the wall or whatever, and they probably don't even know that that's a button. And you guys teaching that is huge. Yeah, good point. I echo that. Uh, my wife and I at that point were, I, and I'll say it out here because I've said it a thousand times, uh, I really could have cut her throat and laid down next to to sleep. That was just a point in our marriage. And she'll tell you vice versa. That wouldn't have bothered at all. Um, but uh, we went through 10, about 10 months of, of uh, marriage counseling. And one of, the, one of those most valuable things ever there was to help you discover, okay, why do you respond to this thing? And once, once we figured it out, it is amazing how things sort of just, just mm-hmm. flowed from there. Uh, so much so that on our fifth wedding anniversary, we went back to the same church, same pastor, same dress, and got married all over again. <laughs> because I knew, well, the first thing was a lie, and we didn't, we didn't know each other. Uh, so we did, and everybody thought we were crazy. Like, no. Uh, and that's, the transformation started and it kept going. And it, it in each case, one of the things that God taught me in, in my prison experience was that back to what you had mentioned before, listen, uh, let me show you how horrible you were. And this is what I did for you. Uh, so now for everybody else around you, you need to do the same thing because mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing that anybody does to you that's worse than some of the things you've done uh, to me. And I go, 
Okay. <laughs> so, and so yeah, I want to get married. It's just I somehow have to get to the point where I realize like, no, 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 no. That applies in a marriage relationship also. I can't assume certain things, which mm-hmm. is what I was doing. I have to assume certain things from her. Then, anyway, so yeah, that's a, that's a that's a golden man. It's actually golden. Understanding yeah, well, your identity, your value in Christ, and everything else just rolls off. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Cliff. Amen. One of the ways that we've discovered that helps to deal with our hot buttons. Uh, let just let me give you a quick story. One day I came home from work. I was working at a software company doing uh, employee enrichment and employee orientation, things like that. And so uh, it had been kind of a tough day. And I had a really battle to get through traffic to get home. So I was feeling very uptight when I got to the door. I walked in the door, set my briefcase down. Jeannie came out and said, here's a cold drink. And here's the remote. Go sit down and watch TV while I finish dinner. And she didn't know, but she just pushed the hot button really big. It was being controlled. <laughs> Do not tell me how to relax. I don't want to go sit down and watch the damn TV. I want to go in the backyard and I want to play with the dog. You know? and I, I just kind of let her have it. Now, the truth is, the lie was that my wife is controlling. Okay. Oh. <laughs> the truth is my wife is controlling the truth the truth is I have a wife who wants to bless me and not stress me I have a I have a wonderful wife so I have to change the way I think about it change you know stop the lie the truth is she loves me she's trying to bless me wow. not trying to control me like my mother like I felt like my mother did see so that's where all that comes from and I have the greatest mom in the world but but, yeah, you do. Uh, anyway, so what I what we've what we've decided what we teach couples now is mm-hmm. to say something like, "I'm really feeling controlled right now." You push the button. Uh, it would help me if you could ask a question like, "How would you like to relax, honey?" Or you could say it in a gentler tone because when you speak, it's like a command. And so I need, I need a gentler tone uh, so that that hot button doesn't get pushed. So you could help me by either doing that, by doing either one of those things. Um, so I think and about. And he was right. I, I'm yeah. pretty direct. Um, and when I'm direct, sometimes I come out as a bad. Mm-hmm, and <laughs> rather than someone who really is caring and has a very big heart. So um, I have to really tone it down at times. Uh, I knew he was in stress mode. I knew he was having a ridiculously horrific day. And um, so I put a couple fillets on in the asparagus and was trying to get it all done ahead of time so that he could just come home, enjoy a meal, watch whatever he wants on TV and just have nobody asking him anything of him at all. But I kind of right. screwed all it right. up by, making me such a <laughs> by my approach at the front <laughs> door. So yeah. that was the lesson that I learned. And um, it's been very valuable in watching the tonal, uh, the tone of my voice at times, especially with him, because he needs to know. Uh, sometimes he'll say, is that a command or is that a request or what is that? And I go, oh, ooh, I have to catch it again. So it's part of the communication that, that we work on a lot. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it always sounds like a command, but yeah, you're right. I know, sweetie. I'm sorry. So it could be something as simple as saying, you know, uh, I'm feeling 
I'm feeling stupid. Could you give me a hug? <laughs> Could you reassure me? Uh, yeah. but, but we can we can help each other out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the point. That's Guys, wonderful. I think that's such a great point. I'm going to jump in real quick and do what my favorite thing in the whole world, which I'm going to draw straws with the rest of the guys' leader on this. I, I just want to let folks know, as you can all tell, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we, we bring great people, great stories. We, we love God. We care about your expectations. Um, we are funded by people who give donations. Or if you don't like to think about being a donor, this isn't a mandate. What we're going to do is just let you know that it's your gifts that make this program work. So I, I want you to remember that the website is right here. You can see it uh, right there, Raising Expectations. No, excuse me, bbsradio.com slash forward slash capital Raising, capital E, Expectations. That's what it looks like. And if you'll do that, I'm going to ask you to do it. It'll go right to this page. And right on this page, you can read the stories of everybody on the program. And there's a simple donation button. You can't miss it. And if you'll click that, here's the good thing about this. It's kind of a special drive that we've got an opportunity now. And uh, when I was a pastor like these guys, I always had guys that were real good with this get up and say it. And everybody go, oh, that's wonderful. So I'm trying to say it just plain me. So I don't know how wonderful it is, but it really is great if you listen. We have a man who's willing to match every gift that you send in. So, and we really could use the help uh, on the cost of the radio and all and the, and the television podcast and all. So if you can go to that, bbsradio.com forward slash capital raising, capital E expectations, you can read the stories of everybody you see here. And at the same time, you can make a donation and that record will go through PayPal. It's totally safe and everything is completely covered. It's right there. It will go directly to us. And in that case, it will be matched uh, dime for dime, dollar for dollar, billion for billion. I don't forget the last part, but it will <laughs> it will be matched. So that's all I wanted to say and make sure that you knew we could use the help if you'll go to that or just give me a call at 972-922-8556. It's on the end of the program. If you'll call me, I'll tell you personally how you can take care of this over the phone and we will be blessed. All right, I'm all done. That was really good. I should get an award for giving that anyway because the other guys won't. But anyway, we got five minutes. Let's pitch this over to Cliff and Jeannie. <laughs> I want to sit back and get blessed some more. Okay, take it away. We got five full minutes. Well, You're up, Posephus. Yeah, I think um, not only can you help your spouse, but one of the ways that you can manage hot buttons in a relationship is to take the time out. And you guys probably are aware of that. But it's really important that you don't go too far in what you say or what you do. If your hot button's getting out of control, when you sense that danger, um, don't keep pushing your mate if they ask you to, to you know, to have a time out. Um, it's like it's like they're holding a loaded gun and they said if you take another step i'm going to shoot and you take another step you're going to get shot well if you if that's going to happen verbally that's going to happen emotionally if you keep pushing pushing it and um you know i know a lot of times you one or the other wants to resolve it no we're going to talk it through till we resolve it right now but it could be too dangerous so all i'm saying is when it gets in that situation one or both of you call a timeout. And what scientists tell us now, behavior scientists, is that it takes 30 minutes 
at least for you physiologically to calm down and get into a place where you can be uh, loving, where you can work through the situation or the issue that you're talking about. So take, take a timeout. Um, call timeout, but don't use it to avoid an issue. You know, that can right. be counterproductive. Um, know that in 30 minutes, just have a basic rule. In 30 minutes, we're going to get back together and talk about this. Yeah. And in 30 minutes, if, when you get back together, if it's still too volatile, uh, then make an appointment for the next day after, you know, after the kids go to school, we're going to have coffee or whatever it might be. Um, and, but don't ignore it. Just set another time for it. And if that doesn't work, uh, call us, call Cliff and Judy. Call at gmail.com. If I got this right, Cliff, if it takes 30 minutes to calm down, if your mate pushes your button every 29 minutes. There was a guy, the devil was after this guy and it didn't matter what the devil did. He could not, he could not frazzle this guy. And finally, the, I mean, he tried, Satan tried everything. And finally he came to him. He says, I don't get it. I, I pushed every button you've got you know, and, and, and I can't get to you. What's up? And he says, well, you don't bother me because I married your sister. So, <laughs> so oh, you know, let me, like, let, Cliff Jean, I know we just have a, a, just a couple minutes. Have you ever run into situations, relationships that, that in your opinion were almost irreconcilable that, that they couldn't be fixed? Have you ever encountered that in, in all of your traveling and conversations? I think there's if there's a narcissist involved. Ah, okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. True narcissist. Point, yeah. But what I was going to say is kind of along that same line. There's difficult marriages and then there's destructive ones. Mm-hmm. And difficult marriages can be worked out <clears throat> if the people want to do that. And I believe that, you know, and and we love to help people do that because ours was a difficult marriage. Destructive marriage is a different story. In those cases, most of the time people need to separate. And then I don't know if they can ever be brought back together. Mm. Uh, We have close family members who are in a destructive marriage. And Mm -hmm. after years of trying, you know, that just... It was destructive. That's that's the only way I know how to describe it. And those kind of situations, um, no, we can't help. You know, we can't help. We can't help borderline people. We can't help um, narcissists. And we can't help the destructive situation. Yes. The one thing you always want to say if you're in that position is that we did everything we possibly could, both 100%, to either kick this marriage to the curb, recreate, regenerate a brand new one that we possibly could do. And it was impassable. Um, we, we've had a few that we've run into, but then then there was one couple I can remember that went through all of that divorced and came through the program. And he proposed to her at the end of it saying, I made a big mistake. Mm-hmm. I never go. should have gone the way we went. And if I give you 30 to 50 years, or as much, would you marry me again? And she said, yes. So, I mean, that's almost fairy tale esque so to speak, mm-hmm. but 
there. You want to make sure that you've gotten all the possible help that you possibly can, that you've done everything for yourself as well as for the other person. Um, hey, my mom's not going to see this, is she? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? My, my mom, after my dad died. Uh, a few years later, my, my mom got married again, and it was a destructive marriage. We could see her going down. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was. She she told my brother that she was going to divorce this guy, and she said, "But don't tell Cliff and Jeannie. I don't want to go to their damn marriage seminar." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, we're going to have to wrap it on that one. Boy, that's one to remember. <laughs> it is, uh, At least all of us are going, yay! <laughs> We've gone a minute over. It happened so fast. We're such such a good time on this show, and uh, it's so great to have you with us. Love you guys. Uh, we're thankful for your ministry, like Paul said, your life to people. And uh, uh, Ron, love you, buddy. Glad, glad you're part of this team. And Paul, love you, brother. Tank. <laughs> and and Stephanie, you're right behind the airplane picture on my screen. There you are. I can't see. There you come. Out. But we're glad to hear. And, and uh, we just love you. And thanks for being on our show tonight. We'll be doing this again, folks. I know that you've requested this and we listen yeah. to what's up. Yeah. So, yeah, we do. And so uh, so check for buttons tonight. Don't sit on any or whatever. You know, be, make sure you're OK here and <laughs> take care of it. And remember that. All right. All right. Thanks again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, bless you. Have a great week. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Now, tune in. BBSradio.com forward slash capital R, Raising Godly Expectations. or uh, And check in. Help donate if you can. Help us make this even a better program. And uh, at the same time, share with your friends. These are good people. They'll help you out. All right. God bless you all. Sign it off. Good night. Thank you, guys. Friends. Thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be.